don't panic, don't panic. No one is being eaten in the services of today's show. Don't panic. Uh, that was uh, a clip from uh, Lucy Beth's favourite film of all time, Troll. Trolls? Trolls plural. No, just Troll 2. Troll 2. Uh, but there are multiple trolls in it, um, so that makes There's no sense. no trolls in it. Oh, okay. What are the little creatures then? Goblins. Oh, gosh, of course they are. Um, yes, that's the kind of um, high-level intellectual debate you can expect on today's show, because today on the Screen Brum Show, here on Brum Radio, we are talking absolute trash. Um, you'll be amazed to hear that we're actually going to be doing it on purpose this time, um, because what we're doing is we're talking about, well, trash cinema. Now, this is a subject I, Blake, uh, do not know anything about, because all the cinema I watch is of the highest quality. Um, but we are going to be joined by some guests who do know about that sort of thing. Before we get into all of that, just wanted to give you some housekeeping and explain what we're doing. If you haven't listened to the show before, we are the Green Brum show here on Brum Radio. And what we do is each week we sit down and we, we talk about what we've learned about a subject from uh, sitting and watching TV. So we're not these people that read books or talk to other people or experience life. We do everything virtually through uh, the cinema screen or the TV screen or the computer game screen. And we learn about what we've learned. So we're going to find out what we know about absolute rubbish this week um, because of the trash scene. And I will, I am Blake, as I say, your host for the next two hours. Uh, and we are joined by our two uh, regular co-hosts, Mr. Tim Wilson. Hello, Tim. Hi, I really want to see a film called Zorro in the Court of England, made in 1969. <laughs> I'm just reading up so much about trash films making me look vaguely like I know what I'm talking it about. Does, it does look like it might be a derivative of a Connecticut Yankee in the Court of King Arthur. Yeah. Um, there we go. That's, We're going to have fun today, aren't we? That's going to be... I'm going to learn a lot from you guys, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, of course, we're also joined by Lucy Beth. Hello, Lucy. Good afternoon. How are you? Damp. It is a rather wet day out there. Um, it has been chucking it down, so we're very grateful um, for everyone who has made it to the studio. And that is now finally time to introduce our other two guests. Well, would you like to introduce yourselves? Cool, yeah. Hello, I, I'm Luke, uh, and this is my colleague David. Hello, I'm David. And who are you? That's a good question. Uh, we are, uh, as, a, as a couple, as a pairing, uh, we are Trash Film Night, which is a regular night that we have been, we started the Electric Cinema, um, gosh, how many years ago? I don't know. Four, four or five four years? years yeah, maybe. We started the Electric, uh, is now moving to the Mockingbird. Um, so yes, and we, we run a night where we show terrible films. Uh, so that's a nice way to spend our evenings. Yes. Uh, now, terrible films is. So is it just? Um, is it going to be Ready Player One over and over again? Ooh. Just saying that. Wrong. I'm just saying that to Tim. <laughs> um, or well, let's 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 talk about defining what a um, a trash film is, hmm. because. You've got a film coming up. What's the next film you're showing? Birdemic, uh, colon, Shock and Terror. That colon is crucial, isn't mm, it? Absolutely. Um, let's let's have a let's play the trailer from Birdemic colon Shop Shock and Terror, um, so that people can kind of get an idea of what we're talking about here. So, just have a listen to this. Um, the trailer doesn't it doesn't do 
it complete justice on the radio because the visuals are quite quite a thing to behold, <laughs> aren't they? The wetter studios are shaking in their boots when they see the quality of the CGI on display here. Let's have a listen to the trailer. So, now you get a big payday with a big stock option, huh? Yeah, I earned it. All those big deals I did with NCT. And millions of dollars of revenues and sales. Well, you've done a great job, Rod. Meet Rod. Hi. A young software salesman on his way to achieving his Silicon Valley dream. Think about opening up a green tech company. Really? Meet Natalie, a beautiful young fashion model driven by passion. I remember you now. You were my English class. I was. Yeah. So how come you never made a pass at me in school? Throw true love into the equation and anything is possible. I was wondering if we can keep in contact. Sure. How big was the sale? One million dollars. In other news today, the population of polar bears is declining rapidly. Hi, my name is Jerry Owens. I'm from Solar Power Accessories. This morning, flocks of seagulls and crows were found dead in downtown San Jose and along Highway 101. Hey, I thought I told you to stand back. These birds are contaminated. The crows and seagulls also caused an accident on Highway 101. Authorities are investigating the cause of their death. Rod, let's get out of here. made by the, the final squeaks at the end of that trailer. <laughs> Birdemic, Shock and Terror. So, um, a sensitive remake of, bird, of the birds, I'm guessing. <clears throat> I mean, you joke, but genuinely, the director, and I apologise if I've pronounced his name, I think it's James Nguyen, um, genuinely loved the birds, loves Hitchcock the birds, and thought, I will make a film like that, because how hard can it be? Uh, and then he produced Birdemic. Um, is the song in the film, that That's, song? That song at the end is definitely not in Who the is film. singing that song? I'm there's, not there's, 100% sure. There's a mystery sure. to be solved there. There is. Can you definitely find out? not Marilyn Manson, is it? No. Um, is, can you find uh, out for us, please? Yes. We, we will, yeah. We'll look into that. There is a whole subculture of, of people, of bands, that, are, that make songs. You know, they, there's... Um, uh, you know, the, the, if they get into a TV show or, or a film, they mm. will they will make that their speciality. There was a band uh, in America that wrote a song every week, which was a recap of the last episode of Lost. Wow! Uh, released it every week, so you, if you'd missed an episode, you could just listen to their their song. So that's mm. a way forward. Maybe it that's is. what it is. There's there's a, a band out there that's just focused on Birdemic. <laughs> <laughs> Who will survive? So. 
So bird damage. So I'm guessing. I don't want to be unkind. I'm guessing it's not the greatest Oscar troubling film. Um, it's, it's one of those ones where I think when you begin to start talking about trash films, you have to look at intention. Because I think that's one of the things where it's like a common misconception that we're just sort of out um, and you know trash films are just sort of out to look at the worst things possible. You know, but there's there's a sort of a, a middle ground and uncanny valley between where something bad becomes something great. And Absolutely, it's, it's a very difficult kind of place to try and find a film. Yeah, I think so. I think <clears throat> intention, because the key is you know he was trying to make a great film, didn't. But well, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> it is definitely my opinion, the opinion of min- millions of people. Uh, so. uh, what I should say from those of you who haven't seen the trailer is one of the, the characters in it is trying to fend off the killer birds with a coat hanger for some reason. Yes, absolutely. Oh, there's no reason. But I think they find him in the wardrobe and just think, well, this will do. Mm. Um, there's a lovely... I mean, really, it's, you know, he's, he's made a big business deal. He's going to be absolute millionaire. We, we heard that in the trailer. Mm. It's Silicon Valley are going to love this man. And unfortunately, he's timed it badly because that's when the bird apocalypse happens, which it's is... Always, it's just always. one of those things, isn't it, unfortunately? It's always the um, But yeah, it's a very special film. I and mean, when you talk about... Excellent trash films that have mass, uh, created these these cult followings of a massive cult followings. It, Birdemic is up there with the the top ten. Really, I mean, it's become massive. Um, I believe the director, when he released it, I think it was at Cannes. He went around the Cannes Film Festival just in a camper van with Birdemic on the side, just trying to whip up whip up some interest in his film. And I admire that. I do genuinely admire that. That man wants this film to succeed. And who we'd say he hasn't, because we're watching it, we're still talking about it. So, fantastic. And you're putting it on. Absolutely. So where would, if people have not yet seen this classic, mm. where do they go and how do they see it? Well, they come to the Mockingbird Cinema. Uh, Which is right. in the custard factory here indeed. in Birmingham. Indeed, it is. Indeed. Next Saturday. Yes, next Saturday, nine o'clock. Just What's the date pounds. of that for those not listening live? So Saturday, the fifteenth of June. Okay. Uh, just four pound entry. Okay. Uh, we feel a bit cheeky charging much more than that. Um, and key element is that we do do live commentary. So if you are coming to watch Birdemic in respectful silence, this is not really the place for it. Okay, so it's an interactive. We'll yes. help lead you through it, basically. If it might be your first time seeing a trash film, it might just sometimes it can be quite an intimidating experience wondering why anything is happening. And we're there to guide you to explain <laughs> perhaps why someone is shooting a, a shotgun. Uh, a CGI bird in the sky yeah. 45 minutes into a thing where nothing has happened it's yeah why is there a five minute like sequence where they just slow dance in a bar um, and again those those are quite boring sequences so sometimes it's nice to have some of, some of the extra so that we you do, don't yeah, it's time for us to muse for you for your benefit yeah. we can just sort of have some thoughts about what we're watching just sort of might perk your interest or perk your yeah. realisation that what, what you're watching is something quite special yeah Fantastic. How many, t- are you, how many times do you have, will you watch Birdemic before we... Uh, or have you know you what? Birdemic? I was just listening to that trailer and thinking, gosh, was, I think the last time we watched it was the last time we screened it. Yes. I um, haven't, haven't watched it since. Um, some of them we will go in... For, for example, we did Spice World. Uh, now, a lot of people love that film. Spice World, uh, colon, the movie. Colon, the movie, sorry. Apologies. <laughs> Colon's a very important film. Oh, forgot about colon. Um... Now, yeah, we showed that, and uh, we just went into that blind, really. Just yeah. went, and we didn't really necessarily. I thought I'd seen it many years ago. I thought I'd be more fun if we just sort of improvise and go along with it. There's some films that maybe you know take a few notes on and think about beforehand, but by and large, we do wing it a bit because it's trash film, and 
people don't care if we've organised anything. Um, you're selling it well, Jeff. Absolutely. Um, so um, four pounds uh, at the uh, Rockingbird. Yeah, four Rockingbird. And how often do you put these on? Well, we stopped for a while because I left where I used to work at the Electric, um, and then we stopped for a while because I've moved to the Midlands Arts Centre, which is where I programme the cinema there now. Um, but then we thought, oh, I miss doing this, and so we thought. I can't really do it at the Mac, not quite the right audience. So I went to the Mockingbird and said, I think your audience is definitely our audience. And they agreed. And so here we go. So hopefully lots of people will come on Saturday and they'll go, let's do some more of these. If no one comes, uh, we'll just shrink away. you did it into an audience of two. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, we'll just continue. continue. So you're saying that the the Mockingbird are a different calibre of audience? Oh, absolutely. The the Mac audience? They're a discerning audience when it comes to trash film. Yeah. They're, they're stroking their chins in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Mac yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what we'd like to do is we'd like to to, to get a bit of a, a whistle stop tour of the world of, of utter mm. trash with yourselves. So um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to play some some music to get us in the mood for that, and I'd also like to invite the audience at home to let us know. So what are we saying? Is it the films they think are the worst? Or is it, is it something I mean, if else? They want, if they want to offer us films and we will decide whether we could screen them as a trash mm. film, you know, maybe that's uh, one option. Cause um, we can discuss that because, it, again, we're going to talk about that. So, you know, what does make a trash film necessarily that we can screen that will be fun rather than boring and something you don't want to spend time in a cinema with? So I'm not going to have the 24-hour Andy Warhol film. No. I'm not saying that's trash. It is trash. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It's art. It's art. It is art. You yeah. just don't understand. Uh, exactly. Exactly. That, that, that's my uh, that's my get out for almost everything that happens. Um, I'm going to play some a uh, little bit of trip music for you now. It's not from a trash film. It is from a film from 2015 called Trash, which is a uh, Brazilian film about. Um, some young boys uh, trying to eke out a living on the, uh, I think it's the Rio de Janeiro waste dumps. Um, and the, the soundtrack to that is, is by the marvellous Antonio Pinto, who recently did the soundtrack for The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Uh, and this particular track uh, is called The Boys Arrived. was The Boys Arrive by uh, Antonio Pinto and that is from the soundtrack to the film Trash which I am not in any way suggesting is a trashy film uh, not least because I don't really know what a trashy film is and I, that's what I'd like to, to, to clarify on here first of all could I make a trashy film deliberately? Can I go out there and go, oh, I'm going to make something rubbish? We don't think we'd accept it a trash film night. No. We, I think there are films which are beloved which have made, been made for that reason, such as the Sharknado films. I mean, maybe, I think the first one was perhaps just something that was, was a lot of fun which turned into something, but there was definitely, the tongue was in the cheek at the first line of the script being written. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Whereas actually, films like The Room, like Birdemic, there is, this, there is a sincerity in some of it, uh, and it turns out terribly, but at the same time, you know, there's something to enjoy there. I think I was just saying to you earlier, like, I can watch and get a lot of enjoyment out of the room as compared to something, some mainstream film that comes out that doesn't speak to me in any way and doesn't interest me. So, Ready Player One. Oh, there's a lot of disinterest, <laughs> a lot of hatred going. It's the only film he has a problem with, I think. It's the only film. There's a lot going on in it. You've got a lot of problems with it. Um, <laughs> Does it to wind me up? It, 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 it hurt me, that film. Um, anyway, let's move on. But we, so, we had so, some rules, actually, didn't yeah. we? I mean, one of them is quite often you Tim find... Tim will be excited to hear. He loves yeah. rules. Um, 
An interesting one is a director often working in a different language. Yeah, normally their second language, normally like their, I think most, or some of the trash films we found, which are, we hold closest to our heart, we found that directors have a, a genuine ambition or a dream of being a Hollywood director. Mm. And so it's, they're not with a particular knowledge of how to do that or what that really constitutes structurally, but just saying, I'm gonna make a Hollywood film yeah. and then just making what they hope would be um, as close to a representation of that as possible. Yeah, they've, they've seen those films. They think, oh, I can make one of those. That's mm. fine. I've got money. I usually often have a fair amount of money. Um, Neil Breen, notoriously, uh, is a man who made a lot of money uh, and has then made, used all that money to try and become a star. And he's failed. But in some ways, he has also succeeded because I just said his name. <laughs> That's, I'm sure in that context, he's exactly what he always, Absolutely. He always dreamed. He's listening out. Yeah. Just, but, yeah. But films like Samurai Cop and, thing, and, yeah. and Birdemic, and they're often people working in their different language. And what it produces is an interesting script and some dialogue that is just structurally very amusing. It's, cult just it, it's like culturally, it's how they see what a Hollywood film would be. So, yeah. so there's an interesting reading to do because it's, it's sort of... Yeah, there's an, there's an interesting comparison to say like something like Samurai Cop, where it's the body cop movie made by an Iranian director who was working in the English language for the first time, or maybe the second time or something. I think because he oh, made, yes, he did, he he made he Killing American more. Style first, That's which right, is he also done very good. But um, yeah, so Samurai Cop, he, he, he sort of worked on that, and then it's the absurdity of going, well, I understand what this is because I understand the conventions of that genre, but then this man has clearly only ever seen one or two of these films at best, then just cracked crack one just out. Just gone for it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, if Bollywood aficionados will say the same thing about Slumdog Millionaire, for example. Uh, maybe. Um, let's, uh, let's get someone in and ask him. Uh, you mentioned Samurai Cop yeah. there. Um, yes. And Lucy, you're, you're a fan of this, aren't you? As much as you can be, I think. It's pretty spectacular yeah. in, in its way. I, so something else with the language barrier is it, it seems to be a charming thing in itself mm -hmm. because a lot of the time these directors want it performed exactly how they've written it. Mm. So an actor may say that that doesn't really make much sense, but well, they'll refuse to let them yeah. adapt it. The size of the size of an ego helps a trash film tremendously. Like if you, because mm. you can sometimes you can get directors working in the English language, which is their language, but they have such a solid vision for what they want, and it's sort of anyone who might be like, maybe you shouldn't do this. This will be a terrible idea. It gets jettisoned to the side and then these wonderful scenes just start to happen. And usually because they funded it all, they're just like, no, well, I'm funding it all, I'm paying for all this, so we're doing what I want. And that was Tommy Wiseau to a T. I mean, he had a ridiculous amount of money, just said, we're doing this, and didn't listen to anyone say anything else, and thus produced a true disaster piece. Uh, the film you were talking about there is The Room, which mm. is kind of the sine qua non mm. of, of trash films. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but I do want to play a clip from Samurai Cop, mm. because I think this particular scene, this is a, a, a piece of dialogue which possibly explains a little bit about what you're saying about the, the, the language uh, uh, involved. So let's have a listen to this. This is one of the scenes from 1991 Samurai Cop. So they call him Samurai, huh? Yes. His real name is Joe Marshall. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. He got his martial arts training from the masters in Japan. He was brought over here from the police force in San Diego to fight us. To fight us? To fight me, to destroy my operation, to kill you and my other men, to put handcuffs on me and put me in the gas chamber. 
samurai. If he's a samurai, what the hell are you? I'll get to know him. And then we'll see who the real samurai is. So you know where our man is? Yes, boss. I know the hospital and the room. And he's burned bad. Real bad. He won't be able to talk. I want him dead. I want his head cut off and brought here. I want his head on this piano so that every man in my organization understands once more that no katana gets captured alive or talks. Got that? I will bring you his head and I will place it on your piano. I know the real samurai is here. There we go, the definition of a real samurai. <laughs> Someone who decorates your piano with their, with their head. But yeah, that line is a, is a prime example, really, because also it's the... I don't want people to think, oh, haha, it's funny, because they don't understand the foreign language and they can't... What it produces, actually, is they have weird syntax, weird absurd lines, that just this sort of surreal nature to some of the lines in these films, and that's why they become really popular, because, I mean, that whole bit there as well, the whole exposition is just like, let's just cram in all the exposition, or he's come here, he's done this, he's, then we'd have to worry about it so he's just said all that and we go on and just things like that are really fun and enjoyable and that's why people enjoy them I think um, this this thing about you know there is a, a potential danger is there not that we're just going oh look at these funny sort of mm -hmm. language directors who don't understand us ha oh. um, do, do, do you do you think there's a danger of that you know, people come there to sort of laugh at these you know these people that don't know what they're doing I think maybe that's that's sort of a useful thing while we're there for commentary, you know, because I think sometimes people might might think that it's an evening where there is just an opportunity for, for us to be cynical and hateful or something, but then yeah. it's, it's quite the opposite, you know, we're there to celebrate these, you know, the magic of how these things got made, not how did this get made in a negative way, but how this got made, how wonderful it is for it to exist in the world, and for, you know, for every kind of... Um, just bland action film that exists, which is just completely co cookie cutter or something. Mm -hmm. You get something like this where someone's managed to burst through a gap or a seam, or someone's just got money and a vision, and you can just sort of, uh, yeah, enjoy the absurdity of it. So I think they, you say there might be like a danger of, yeah, it being hateful towards, but it's all in the selection of the film as well, because I think mm -hmm. some of the ones, um, there isn't any joy from what they would produce, you know, it, it has to be something that is funny and it is absurd. Yeah, the silliness of some of these films. Yeah. The silly is just silly and weird and funny, and that's that's part of it, really. Yeah, we absolutely don't want to sit there going, "Ha ha, this is rubbish." Because also, why why would you want to pay four pounds just to hear mm. people come and go, "This is rubbish"? Like, hopefully, we can use it, and when we show things like Spice World or whatever, we use that as a springboard to go off on tangents and go off on talk about things and other music films based, you know, things like the S Club movie or whatever. You can go off on those. Hang on a minute. Whoa. Yes, 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 whoa, yes. Whoa, whoa. Let's reel that back in. Oh yeah, there's an S Club movie. Scene uh, double. That's right. You look it up. That's right. There's a whole subgenre of those kind of films. They think, oh, there's a famous band. Uh, let's just stick them in a movie. Uh, and they're particularly great because absolutely nobody is interested in making a good film. They're only interested in making money. Those don't come, or very often don't come from a place of passion or love. They just come from, ah, quick, let's get off the back of this and whilst they're hot. And so there is a scene. Scene double is the film. I believe there's some evil doppelgangers in the S Club film. Don't say so, wear moustaches or not, but it's, yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah. the level Let's of hope where yeah. the, yeah, the film's motto is join the club for double the fun. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. So yes, yeah. there's a few of them around. So so again, things like that is, you know, we, we kind of use that as a springboard to, to talk about the silliness of the movie industry. 
What I'd like to do um, is I'd like to go on a bit of a, of a tour, maybe, um, of of the trashiness with maybe some 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 other films. Mm. So we've we've mentioned Birdemic, Colon, Shock and Terror. Um, we've mentioned um, Samurai Cop, Colon. A cop who's a samurai, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Um, and obviously Spice World and stuff. So um, would you be able to, to pick some out for us? Mm-hmm. Um, before we do, just so you can gather your thoughts, I want to play a little bit more music and also invite the audience uh, at home to, again, let us know what you think um, um, and whether or not you agree. If you've seen Birdemic colon... I can't get over the colon part, but if you've seen Birdemic... <laughs> that's colon. I know, I know. Um, that's, that's another story. Let's move on. Um, the, um, if you've seen it, let us know what you think. Um, one of Perhaps one of the earliest films that people cite as a trash film is, is a film from the 1930s called Reefer Madness. Oh, okay. Now this is a film that I, you know, there's always, you always see sort of cool bars having posters for it. It was mm. a, a film, I think it was 1936 or so, um, warning um, Americans about the perils of marijuana uh, and the impact it can have on their children. Um, and um, I didn't realise until I was doing the research for this, I do some, um, that there was a, a remake, uh, a musical in the 90s with Alan Cumming and Kristen Bell out of Frozen in it. Um, and uh, so I'm going to play some music from that. So this track is called Reefer Madness and it is actually sung by Alan Cumming. So let's have a listen to that and then we'll be back shortly to, to talk through some of the classics, if that's the right word, of the trash world. Right, that's blown away at the cobwebs. That is a reefer madness from the the, the the remake musical version of it. Now, I've been told off by uh, Lucy Beth here that um, reefer madness is not a, a trash film. It's a cult film. Is that right, Lucy? Well, that's what I'd go with. Um, like, so, no telling off. Really. <laughs> so, a cult, a so, so a cult film is a film that you know people like, but they don't necessarily. I, I'm, I'm really confused it's here. Actually, there are some great cult films, like you know, Evil Dead's a cult film. It's a brilliant film. So I suppose it's, yeah, cult's quite different from trash. Okay, well, I, I'm learning a lot here because I just assumed that trash was just bad. I just thought it was, you know, Guy Ritchie. <gasps> I've done it again. Uh-huh. I've, I've, I'm so edgy. Um, <laughs> so. So, 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 let us know which ones that we need to look out for, um, and it's not just as you say with the spice world. It's not just uh, you know cheap, cheap and B movies, is it? It can be big ones as well. Yeah, it can be. I mean, we've done a few. We did Batman and Robin once. Yeah, um, falls into a wonderful arc of yeah. I think it's quite an accessible film as well because I think sometimes it can be quite an intimidating thought. Or if you're not particularly into cinema, sometimes it might. I wouldn't want to go see a 25-year-old VHS copy of like an Italian film I've never heard mm. of, and you get the opportunity to go see Batman and Robin. It's a Batman film, you know where you are with it, but it still contains all the conventions of um, a thing that makes a, a great trash film. You know. I remember going to see that at the cinema, and remember the great line, isn't it? Robin says, "Holy, holy, rusted girders, Batman! These rusted girders are full of holes." <laughs> <laughs> they were going well, for camp. It's all of our, I've just, I've just pulled up all of Arnie's one-liners in the film. Yeah, yeah. Ice to see you. Yeah, yeah. Everything freezes. Yeah. The ice men come out. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really make much. It's like it's cold. It's that kind of level. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but there we are, Joel Schumacher's finest hour, surely. Uh, I can't Schumacher. disagree with you on that one. No, well, there we are. Um, so, so point us in the direction of where we need to go. So some of the ones maybe that have been the most successful for you guys. Yeah, we were talking about Miami Connection just yeah. now, weren't we? Got um, yes, well, particularly well known for, for a fantastic... Uh, soundtrack for that film. Now, just so I understand, in this instance, you mean it. As Jen it fantastic. Yeah, again, it's that tricky thing, isn't it? Because it's it's pure eighties. It's pure cheesy eighties. There's some lovely guitar solos by um, shirtless men. Um, that's particularly a good part of that film. The guy called the director was Y.K. Kim. Um, now he was a martial arts expert, and again, just thought, oh. I'll do a film. He, um, he was wildly successful in what he mm. did because he did lots of self-help tapes and lots yep. of sort of um, just promotion of a clean lifestyle. So a very good film. martial artist, like a fantastic martial yeah. artist. He then just decided, oh, well, I'll just do an action film. And and the, the, the actual production is, you know, particularly poor, but the band Dragon Force has become quite a cult favourite. There's, I mean, people have been to our trash film nights with Dragon Force t-shirts on and stuff. And I may have one. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. So that means you do. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just fantastic because it's just full, again, of those, those just slightly poor, poor acting, bad extras, just bits, there's mess-ups that are left in the film. That's always a good one. It's like, so no one's looked and gone, there's a bit where he jumps in the car and doesn't quite make it, but then just goes over again. It's just like, anyone just editing that would go, don't keep that in the film. <laughs> but they've kept it in the film. And it, and I, it's just very charming that they've just thought, ah, whatever, just keep it in. It's, it's lovely. We'll get to the end of the film, we'll release it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, that that's a... I think that's a particularly good one. What year was that? Oh, I was just going to read the synopsis just in case oh, if yeah. anyone was saying oh, how wonderful it is. It's a band of martial art, um, uh, martial arts rock band goes up against a band of motorcycle ninjas who have tightened their grip on Florida's narcotics trade. Yeah. And so there was a, there's a lot to unpack there. Drugs, music, motorcycles. Oh, high school teens having to struggle yeah. through all this. They're also world ninja experts. Yeah. There's, there's a lot yeah. going on. Isn't there, isn't the case that Dragon Force... Is it that they got the gig because they happened to have a song called Ninja or something? I can't remember. Um, they'd written in advance. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're looking. Lucy's the the Dragon Force expert here. Uh, she's looking horrified. She's just got the T-shirt. She's like one. Of, she's one of them fans. Oh, Dragon uh, Sound. Have we got the. Oh no, Dragon Force. Dragon, Dragon Force are in a like a the real like, band. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Band. Dragon Sound. Just, yeah, Dragon Sound. Sorry, yeah, sorry, like, Dragon Force. We promised people Dragon Force and Dragon Sound. But I got my Dragon Bands mixed up. I always hate it when that happens. <laughs> Dragon Sound are infinitely better than Dragon Force. Oh, really? Ooh, oh, the tweets will be <laughs> flying in. That dragon rivalry is always always fearsome. Dragon. Okay, so what was the name of that film? Miami Connection. Miami. Yeah, that's a good one. We've seen that a couple of times. Connection. Always very popular. Okay. We do like that one. Okay. Um, and um, have we got any tweets, Tim? Have we had any anyone yes, else? Yeah, sorry, I was just watching a bit of. Uh, I was just watching a bit of Miami Connection with the film, with the sound turned down. Still Come on, we, stay, keep your head in the game, Tim. Um, yes, so we've had a tweet from Thomas Gavanna, and I don't, don't know um, what you think about this comment. Um, he says, um, he's, he's, he's questioning about the intent of the term trash, because he yeah. thinks that um, so bad is it's good as a term, so bad is good, yeah. is usually down to a genuine effort gone awry. So yeah. he talks about the room. Yeah, I think that. so. I think that comes down back to that whole thing of Sharnado and that thing. It's like you're trying to be bad. But I don't, I don't see the point in that in some ways because actually there's no real... We don't get much enjoyment out of that because actually not much comedy comes from that, mm. I think. Uh, if you're trying to be 
rubbish. Um, the comedy of things, you know, one of my favourite characters of all time is Alan Partridge. He's always trying to be a great, he's trying to be a good person, he's trying to be, but he's just failing miserably, and that's always good fun, I think. And he, he counteracts it with, whereas films playing to their constraints, it's exactly what you say. Hmm. The whole contrast between, say, a B movie rather than a trash film, or um, you talk about yeah. a whole movie. Yes, exactly. I mean, distinctions. Some some John Carpenter films, are, you know, are seen as B movies. Yeah, but they're fantastic. Like because again, he didn't have budget. He didn't have, but he did, he made amazing films, even despite the fact that he has, you know, didn't have any money and didn't really have any structure, and he just put it together and built a career out of that. Whereas these people often do have a lot of money and put it all in and, yeah. and produce something quite poor, but at the I same mean, time, it is enjoyable. It's fascinating to see how many of these films get found very, very after the fact. Like, mm. the, the Room sort of had a sort of an immediate cult following that grew and grew, but Miami Connection was a film that lived in a, a vault. I think it was um, direct, uh, Texas Film Studio, mm. uh, Draft House Films. They, were the ones. Ah, they, yes. found, they found an old 35 uh, mil copy in a barn and just accidentally discovered it and then found out it was wonderful. But the YK Kim hadn't seen the film for about 20 years and he just he dismissed it because it cost him so much money and it got nowhere. And um, yeah, and then it's... It and they started a, screening it, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, and it found a life of its own. And yeah. there's so many, so many of those films as well. And it's what we hope to do sometimes, where we find some films yeah. where we've, we've had a couple, which we can get onto a little bit later, which um, oh. we've screened and we just sort of thought, I don't understand how this hasn't got a bigger... Fatal Deviation. Fatal Deviation, just, deviation. just about yeah, to we say. We can talk about that at some point. Fatal Deviation. Irish martial arts film. Oh, an Irish martial arts film. Featuring oh, members of Boyzone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the members. Yeah, there's a little cameo. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. We'll talk about that. Uh, well, let's get us in the mood for it by playing uh, another clip. I thought you were going to say playing some Boyzone. By playing some Boyzone. <laughs> uh, well, nothing is out of the question here. I wanted to play... Um, I don't know anything about this film, but I do know that I love the trailer. This is one that, that Lucy... Uh, sent me so let's just play it because it is it's the same kind of um, the same kind of ballpark let's have a quick listen to this it's not very long combine the power of gymnastics with the force of karate and an all new martial art is born Jim Kata Kurt Thomas three time world gymnastics champion takes on a secret mission for the United States government his only weapon Jim Kata and that's all he needs. Jim Cotta, rated R. Dark Friday, check newspapers for a theatre near you. Uh, Jim Carter, I thought he was the guy out of Downton Abbey, but uh, he's not <laughs> a new form of martial arts that combines gymnastics. Yes. <laughs> didn't really go anywhere. Together <laughs> at last, what next? All those violent things in school halls, now there's a way to solve them. You yeah. Know? yeah, pole vaulting is the next, uh, pole <laughs> Carter, anyway. Um, so that's a, there's a lot of these kind of uh, martial arty type mm. things, but do tell us about fatal Deviation. Okay, so now this is one we did. We did it once as a secret filming, uh, secret film screening, um, uh, because we weren't sure people would even want to come and see it, even as a trash film. So we just forced it on them, um, which is the way to go, I think. Um, yes, it's a. That's not the official perspective of the Midlands Arts Centre. <laughs> no, I have a different hat on when I do trash film. It's a particularly knackered old hat. Um, so I think with Fatal Deviation, um, again, the lead guy is a martial artist. A very good martial yes. artist as well. So there's, there's a basis for, again, that it's not just sort of hating on everything that the film creates. This yeah. guy is a brilliant martial artist who also cannot act 
an absolute iota. Yeah, but yeah. they thought, let's stick him in a film. Uh, it's in lovely rural locations. Uh, there's there's some monks in it that turn up. The, the chap from Boyzone. Um, sometimes people speak to the camera for no reason. Um, there's also some bloopers at the end where people look to have actually legitimately hurt themselves. Um, so it, you know, it's like people off a bridge. The structure of the Jean Claude Van Damme film uh, where he goes through a fighting tournament, which is yes. What's the? Do we know that? Is it a game? That's a Jean Claude Van Damme film. I wish I know that. Is one of my friends was an extra in it when she was on holiday. There you go. Led into a fight. But yeah, it's just full of. Do you mean the production values are like you know it's ten quid. Uh, they've got nothing, um, but they're putting something together. The, the end fight is just a, just a big quarry, okay. I think, with some caravans littered around. Uh, who knows if they asked to film there? Um, <laughs> and it's just full of just fantastic. Even the, like the villains, where they where they you know sort of think about things and do their evil plots and everything. It's just sort of an empty room at times. You're just like they haven't even bothered to dress it. They've just found an empty room and gone. Oh, just put a table in here and that'll yeah. do. And the, I can act into this furniture. Like yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, like there's just it. they just get through it come on let's get through it and and they produce something truly beautiful yeah. it's a misplaced uh, masculinity because there's lots of these people who just can't act but just imagine they're all being out yes out they're just hard they're, they're in Scarface they all think they're yeah. in Scarface um, <laughs> they are not they're in Faith Deviation it's and it's sort of amazing but again that's one where actually we were like oh I think we contacted them and tried to get, we should take this to on a tour the screening rights but the screening rights are owned by uh, I think a fitness company like an American <laughs> fitness company who just made gym uh like protein products and stuff, yep. and they were just sort they of weren't interested. Yeah, and says, oh. What else are you doing with this? Yeah, what, what, <laughs> though I think they did say, "Oh, we're planning a you know a big release." It's like, yeah. you're not planning. <laughs> that was years ago. We're still very much ready for it. If they're listening, like, please, please put it on Blu-ray. Blu-ray launch coming soon. So, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It it seems like one of the things you're saying over here is sincerity is quite important yeah. in this. We're not talking about people who have made something deliberately to be rubbish. No. They've gone out of their way. So. Is it? Uh, is there a difference then? Do you think between a trash film and just a you know not very good film? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Or is it just the quality of the badness, or is there something else? <clears throat> yeah, it's a good. I mean, there's plenty of bad films released monthly in cinemas. Mm-hmm. Now, how are they bad? Well, they might be really boring. Uh, they might just you know you sit there and go I, I don't know what's going on it's confusing and actually you come out going I just wish I hadn't seen that whereas actually if they come to us hopefully they watch it and get loads of enjoyment out of it and think oh I'm glad I went to see that when it goes to 11 maybe it's about conventions you know when you can go and see trash films can be all different areas of the spectrum but it's how they break the conventions of what you would otherwise, you would otherwise expect to see so martial arts film or something you might expect to see great martial arts good acting a really solid plot but instead it breaks at least one of them or all of them, you know, by either having terrible acting, terrible action because they can't afford proper extras or... There's the, I think it is, it's, if you wanted to really, like, drill down into it, it'd be the difference between, like, a bad film. It's just the, the breaking of the conventions of what you would otherwise expect to see. Yeah, yeah, so not not a film that's perhaps, like you say, a cutty cooker. Cutty cooker, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of them. Um, I'm, I'm all over the place today. Um... Lucy, now you strike me as someone who, I was going to say, likes trash films. I'll rephrase that. Um, as you're a, we, know, we know that you are a, a connoisseur uh, of all things filmic. What I'm trying to say is, is, is there any, any um, highlights that you 
uh, would suggest people look out for, apart from Troll 2? Or is it just oh, Troll 2? No, that's always a firm favourite. You, you can't get any better, really. Um, but um, going through things, ready for this, um, I came back to the Jaws sequels, mm -hmm. which Jaws 3D and Jaws the Revenge. Do you know what? Um, I saw both of those at the cinema. Really? Yeah, yeah, when they came out, Jaws Even 3D. Oh, uh, yeah, had the 3D glasses. They were, it was the first big time they came um, and it was the first time as I recall they didn't have the different colours it was when they were first the grey ones which was incredibly exciting uh, and I remember going to see it in the cinema um, and um, yeah it was um, it was certainly a film <laughs> again that's, you know, that's like a franchise starts off so well and just completely loses its way and just goes into this whole area of just like you know, why are you just making them now, obviously, to make money? That's what you're doing. Well, my favourite quote from uh, Michael Caine is, mm -hmm. in, is in Jaws 4. Jaws Revenge. Jaws yeah. Revenge. And, and, and he always said, I haven't seen Jaws Revenge, but I have seen the house it paid for. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's no mug. It's got Mario Van Peebles in as well, I think. Yes, um, yes. I read an interview with Charles Dance uh, last week about Godzilla King of Monsters. And oh, the, yeah, the pull-out quote was, the catering was fantastic. <laughs> and so that, you know... People the catering take on, <laughs> was fantastic. People take on films for different reasons, don't they? And I think they go in perhaps knowing it's not going to be a masterpiece. Although I haven't seen Godzilla King of Monsters, so who knows? Exactly, exactly. I hadn't realised until, well, this week, really, that um, Jaws 3D was originally intended to be a spoof. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be Jaws 3, People O. Uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was meant to be as part of the National Lampoon's oh. um, series of films, but um, the studio was just sort of, no, you, you, you really can't do that. Yeah. And, um, but they may as well have, really. Mm. It sort of kept that essence in some way. Yeah. Jaws, um, Jaws the Revenge. Now, you sent me a clip of the, is this true, the original ending? That's not a spoof. YouTube no, video. No, that's real. So the, the original ending that they filmed for, for Jaws the Revenge is possibly the worst piece of special effects I've seen in my Amazing. life. It, it won a golden raspberry for um, unsurprising. Yeah. The premise of Jaws the Revenge is that, um, uh, that Roy Schneider's, um, is Chief Brody's, Chief Brody's wife, she goes, she goes to uh, Jamaica, I think, um, to escape the shark, oh, yeah. but the shark follows the airplane on a, on a clever <laughs> which yeah. definitely definitely would happen um, we, we have screened uh, Shark Attack 3 on a canal boat oh, uh, which we did uh, last year <laughs> oh, there are limited spaces <laughs> yeah. on, on this canal boat so we set off from Brindley Place and we screened the John Barrowman classic Shark Attack 3 and uh, took on a nice little tour and actually it was really good it worked really well yeah, actually lovely. we were just like is this going to work like sticking a TV in there and, but it was good were you, were you tempted to invite him yeah, oh, he would have so turned up. You know. I mean, what else is he doing, right? Exactly. Oh, then again, well, no, he's in, he was in Arrow, wasn't he? He was yeah. zeroed up for nice. well, which is one of my favourite cameos of all time. Just thinking that it's really ultra serious. He doesn't love Barrowman, you no. know? Yeah, he's a legend. Absolutely, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts a lot. <laughs> but no, I mean, Shark, you know, there's a whole genre of just Shark. Mm. Again, again, but some of them intentionally bad and so not of interest. But Shark Attack 3 is superb. I mean, some of the special effects probably rival that. 
alternate ending. Yeah, well... The, uh, the one where they're in a supermarket as well, which... The, in the, what, the, the supermarket shops? floods. Oh, right. They have to stand on top of the, the stock whilst the sharks are trying to Ooh. eat people in the... <laughs> so the, the Christmas advert, I'd watch that. <laughs> I think it's the bait. Ah, but, OK, um, let's look that up. Something else that made me really oddly happy when I found out this about Jules the Revenge was the sound editor refused to make a roaring sound for it. It was just, that's too far. I'm not making a shark yeah, roar. roar. Um, <laughs> so the sound actually came um, of the roaring shark actually came from an episode of Tom and Jerry. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is the Wilhelm scream on steroids. Yes. My favourite line is, um, he plays Hoagie, doesn't he, Michael Caine? I think he, he has one line when he looks at the shark and he goes, Bloody hell, the breath on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So good. Uh, well, like before or after you see the stitching down the back of the shark. Do you? <laughs> uh, well, I never noticed that when I saw it at the Derby Assembly Rooms. They used to do film shows because it wasn't on at the cinema. Um, or there's only one cinema in Derby. And, uh, yeah, I saw it in a double bill with, uh, I think it was Top Gun. Actually, I will say, um, the actual, some of the stuff between Lorraine Gray and Michael Caine is actually... Quite, it feels quite sincere and quite good. Is it? It, it kind of stands into uh, contrast between the uh, rest of it, really. I think there's. I think we're well due a Jaws five, aren't we? Oh God! I mean, a Jaws reboot. You would. You can't really understand why it hasn't. It's going to happen because yeah, everything will eventually get rebooted. <laughs> Yes, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, that's it's a high bar to clear, <laughs> being compared to, against the original uh, Jaws. Um, do let us know, um, you guys, your um, your favourite trash films. We're going to go through some more, and I want to play um, a, a little bit more music while we're waiting. This is from um, now. I didn't know what trash movies were, so I basically looked at the worst rated films on uh, IMDb, um, and um, right up there. Or down there at the bottom is um, Son of the Mask. Did you know this? There was a sequel yeah, to Jamie the Kennedy, Mask, wasn't it? Jamie yeah. Kennedy. Um, and oh. one of the things I mean, about it, I haven't seen it, but I do know that Jamie Kennedy. I'm, you know, I'm sure he's a very, very fine actor and, and uh, musician as well. But he does the worst cover version, I think, of any piece of music uh, ever. I think I think this may be the if you call it the low water let's have a listen to it <laughs> it's going to be great um, this is from Son of the Mask which also features Alan Cumming he's coming in a lot uh, this week um, and it's uh, it's a version of Can't Take My Eyes Off of You in a hip hop style I'm really sorry I can't in all consciousness <laughs> in all conscience let everyone have any more of goes through about 17 different styles in the course of uh, three minutes and uh, 22 seconds and um, yeah Jeez, none of them none of them good uh, that's from son of the mask which is one of the low rated films on imdb now imdb for those of you that don't know is the internet movie database it's a fantastic place to uh, to basically do some research be prepared to fall down rabbit holes and, and spend hours following uh, lines on there what i did was um, i looked at the lowest rated films uh, and what I'd like to do is ask our resident experts on all things that are trash a couple of questions mm. based on this um, and you don't brace yourselves it's, you, a, it's a Blake quiz you two okay. may also join in now the, I'm going to read out 
um, three, uh, three films. Okay. Um, and uh, which one of these is the lowest rated? Okay. Okay. Now, the first one um, we've already talked about is Birdemic colon shock and terror um, which you can see um, next Saturday at the Mockingbird Theatre um, there is also Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas oh. every year at Christmas time it seems the baby in the manger takes more and more of a backseat to retail sales Santa Claus and political correctness uh, Christian film yeah, with yes. Merry Christmas being replaced by season's greetings and court ordered removal of public nativity scenes the fruit of Mary's womb is falling on hard times <laughs> this, my favourite review of this film is from John Serber um, on, ML, on MLive.com who described it thus Cameron's preferred tool of engagement is a pry bar applied to your eyelids with an indelicate hand. <laughs> Lovely. That's so, so is it that one? Is it Birdemic, Shock and Terror? Or is it the delightful sounded, sounding The Hottie and The Naughty, um, starring Paris Hilton, which yeah. is where a woman agrees to go on a date with a man only if he finds a suitor for her, unattra- for her unattractive best friend? Yeah. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? I, I know that it used to be The Hottie and The Naughty. Now, I don't know if it still is. So... I'm going to go with Hottie and the Naughty. Cool, so I will just be contrary because Birdemic, obviously, we want to put it, that's got to be top 100, really. I'm going to refute that. I think that's a, a red herring. Uh, <laughs> so I will go with the Kirk Cameron masterpiece. Correct. <sighs> Kirk Cameron came out about 2015, I think. That's number one. Birdemic, Shock and Terror is number three. Uh, from the bottom, from the bottom. Um, and the hottie, the knotty, has slipped to the eighth spot. Oh, okay. It's positively, Critical review, yeah. Critics are finally catching on to the <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, the... it's the new heavens gate. Exactly. Citizen Kane, it, it took a while. Um, right, my next question. Um, as, I, as I got slightly uh, terrified and obsessed at the bottom end of the IMDb rating scale, I'm going to read out three films for you, and I want to know which one of these I have made up. And which one is is a real film? Or which two are real films, okay? Hobgoblins. Mm -hmm. A young security guard must track down diminutive aliens who kill people even as they make their fantasies come true. Mm -hmm. Who's your caddy? When a rap mogul from Atlanta tries to join a conservative country club in the Carolinas, he runs into fierce opposition from the board president, but it's nothing him and his entourage can't handle. Um, Or is it... Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. Uh, a group of smart, talking toddlers find themselves in the centre of a media mogul's experiment to crack the code to baby talk. The toddlers must race against time for the sake of babies everywhere, starring John Voight. Voight, John Voight, yeah. Ah, that one is 100% real. That one is 100% real. It's a well-known favourite, uh, full of awful CGI baby heads. Oh, and it is, of course, um, John Voight. Super <laughs> Babies, Baby Geniuses 1, um, is also right down there at the bottom of IMDb, so I'm not quite sure how it managed to get a sequel. Um, so which one is real out of Hoosier Caddy and Hobgoblins? I'd, I'd have to say the first one. I mean, I'd watch all of them just so we all know. I'd be, I'd very much spend a lovely afternoon with all three of them. But I'd say that the first one sounds very similar to. Is it Killing Mall? The oh, Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall, yeah, Chopping which is Mall. Um, which is a famous trash film, um, which mm. is very very good. So I'd say that because that one might already exist, I'd, I'd go with the first one. Hobgoblins. I was always going. I was also going to go with Hobgoblins. I was going because Hobgoblins and alien. You talked about aliens in the synopsis, and then you were talking about Hobgoblins. To be fair, we were saying like Troll Two. There are no trolls in it, exactly. so there are goblins. So goblins. It, it's uh, it can be yeah, it could absolutely be. Um, 
trick question they're all real no they're all real so you can see hobgoblins and you oh, can see who's who's your caddy who's your caddy yeah it has some I can't remember now but it does have some hip hop names that I had heard of um, John so Barrowman John Barrowman is not in it to my knowledge um, he's a close personal friend of mine John so I'm not going to say anything bad about him so there we are there we are now um, we we've got sort of halfway through the show and we haven't yet got the, the full kind of holy trinity perhaps of other films to go for mm-hmm. so would you like to give us another film mm-hmm. that we should be looking out for I was going to say, have we, have we discussed the room properly yet, you feel? Because, I mean, I don't know whether how people are aware of that one is not, but that, that, that's sort of like the, the cultural touchstone is in people really, really, if you want to discover whether this kind of genre is for you or this kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's a good entry film. Let's, let's the play the, perhaps the most famous scene mm. um, from, uh, from the room. Just, uh, just one moment. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Johnny, what's up? I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. <sighs> what? Well, did you? No, it's not true. Don't even ask. That's <laughs> not I... edited at all, is it? That's no. actually how That's... all of those lines are delivered yeah. with the timing and the pathos. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 quite a thing. And isn't haven't they got like a CGI background for no reason yeah. as well? Yeah, they've they, they got there's, a green screen. The Disaster Artist uh, is a wonderful book. I mean, it turned into a worse film, but it's a wonderful book by uh, one of the uh, co-stars of the room, and he just wrote about his experiences meeting Tommy Wiseau and everything to do with that. But there's there's some fascinating production details on the room which you learn from that, basically. Mm. Um, so so the room. Now, this is kind of quite interesting for a kind of uh, sort of trash film because it's not special effects driven. It's not gore. It's not mm. kung fu. It's a, you know, it's a relationship drama. Yeah, absolutely. But it's a relationship drama uh, written by somebody who doesn't potentially understand doesn't understand relationships, <laughs> how humans talk to other humans, um, and just the basics of actually constructing a film. It's a fascinating film. I mean, things, you know, storylines appear and then disappear. Um, Just like the very first, I mean, I remember being at a screening in the room and there's a lot of interaction. It's very raucous. People, you know, are encouraged to get involved a la the Rocky Horror Show. And I remember I could see one, I could tell one woman that was there who genuinely, I just thought, you don't really know what you're watching, do you? And and, and I I made a point to actually watch her the first few few scenes because I think she... You know, initially you're just like it's just a long, slow tracking shot, and you just think this is boring. And then he comes in, Tommy Wiseau, and just says, "Oh hi, babe," <laughs> and she was in hysterics within one line. And you were just like, and she loved it, and I could just tell that, like, just that it's it's the fact that from the very moment you're in in that first scene, you're just like, "What is this?" It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing, completely one of a kind thing that will never be repeated ever again to the extent this has become just amazing. Why do you think that is? And why do you think, do you think people are out there trying to make yeah, the room yeah. now? I mean, even Tom Wiseau is trying to, isn't he? I mean, yeah, it's that difficult second album. Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you do when what you've made, which was a, a genuine, because I think there was a, a period of time where he sort of just believed that people wanted to see this film for the spectacle that it was. And then over the course of years, he sort of, uh, 
reset himself to sort of suggest that this was maybe a tongue-in-cheek all along, yeah. which I think is quite hard to believe. Yeah, the, the, the Blu-ray notoriously just started calling it a dark comedy, and it was not meant to be a dark comedy. It was meant to be a very serious relationship drama. Um, and it's sort of like a, a, a childish attitude towards relationships. Spoiler alert, I'm going to ruin the ending for you, but um, he, at the end he kills himself because, oh gosh, oh, women have done me over and all this. And it's just, and it's really childish and slightly embarrassing because, again, women, I mean, tr tr across many trash films, women, women are treated horrendously, uh, are not given uh, proper lines or any kind of characters. I mean, there's plenty of men that don't get that in trash films, but by and large, I mean, The Room is a good example of that. There's, there's just an awful attitude towards women. And Tommy Wiseau's attitude is, oh, they've all screwed me over. What have I done wrong? I'll kill myself. That'll teach you. And it's it's really... He's the, he's the hero of the piece. Yeah, he is like, the hero. He's written and he's screened. You know, he, he's made this film believing that he is... He is the hero. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. But it was just the same thing, and you can't, you couldn't create that, that kind of the capturing the zeitgeist. You couldn't create it, and and it helps people like Jason Segel and Paul Rudd loved it. They, it's because he put up a, a big advert, and mm -hmm. I think it was Sunset Boulevard. I think yeah. he, he had so much money, he just just paid for a year for this one poster to be there, and then people like Paul Rudd away drove past, going, "What is that?" Like that's just this weird leering face. Just if you, if you get a chance, look at the room poster. You can just you yeah. can tell quite a lot from seeing it as well. You know, just from yeah, it, it it sort of encapsulates all what the film is about. Where this man has an intention and an aim for something, and it's ended up being somewhere quite different. Yeah, and that's what happened really. I think they just sort of spread the word, and then they started doing regular screenings, and the Prince Charles of London started doing, and, they, and Tommy and Greg's uh, sister came along, and now they they're all the time and. And it's just become this own thing. And what do you do, AS? What do you do after that? Yeah, what do he, you do? He's, he's made something called Neighbours, which was his attempt at a sitcom. But again, I don't know whether whether his skill or whether it, you, you can't make something again now without that kind of self-reflexivity of realising that, oh, I am the person who makes bad films, mm. and so do I have to change the choices? Or because you can't sincerely make anything again, you imagine. Well, I mean, that's the other thing about this is, is it going to be harder for us all to, to kind of, anyone to make these type of films now because of how literate everyone is. And because everyone knows, you know, people don't watch films in the same way perhaps as they used yeah. to. They're, they're much more aware of the conventions, they're aware of the, the, the tropes, they're aware of all that stuff. So maybe a film like Miami Connection would be quite hard to make now because you would be aware of what you're supposed to do. And so you'd be aware that a five-minute tracking shot or a, or a five-minute slow dance isn't allowed. Is that... What do you think? To, I don't think so because actually, I mean, think of this. How many people have you met in your life who are just completely oblivious to how people think of them? They're just in their own world. They're completely egocentric. And that's where a lot of it comes from. I mean, Tom Wiseau, I love the man. I would never want to spend time with him because he's completely egocentric. He's obsessed with himself and his own career and everything. And that's where it came from. And there are so, they don't, the notion of irony to somebody like him, I think, is just, it just wouldn't even occur to him that he's making something that people would think was ironically funny. Well, it just ne wouldn't. Neil Breen is still making films today, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. Um, I think he's made about five, and it just, I think, because again, he's, he's quite a fascinating example of a man who made a couple of films which were then heralded as his trash films for all the reasons why we were discussed about, you know, ego and, and just losing control of any sense of reality whilst making them. Um, he's got quite big and quite famous, and now he's still producing films, not quite to the same calibre as some of his early work, but 
he is managing to sort of insulate himself from sort of a level of self-awareness, which is quite a damaging character flaw, but also uh, does produce yeah, one year of fun film. Still produces magic, so thank <laughs> you for that. Fantastic. Uh, Tim, um, um, we have any tweets? Yes. Um, Cine Feline. Is that how we pronounce it? Cine Feline. Cine Feline. Mm-hmm. Cine Feline. Sounds like how Cine Feline. Um, uh, has uh, tweeted us to, say, uh, to ask about the camp element within trash films. Mm. The what, she, sorry? Camp. Because she says many trash films are camps. Many trash films are camp, and Susan Sontag proposes that naivety and sincerity are key to camp. Mm. Do you know what? I've actually I actually read that Susan that Susan Sontag um, essay just this week, and um, it's absolutely true. Is that it, it, camp is quite a difficult thing because you have to mm. you cannot you, if intentionally you, start yeah. with camp because it, it looks cynical. You know, mm. you, you can tell that. So I think that's yeah, it's a very good observation. I think it's very. I'm trying to think of what some of the camp because Batman and Robin is obviously a trash film, but it's not a bad. You know, it's lit. It's well shot. It's well. Acted it's well, you know, it's good everything, but that campy element sometimes turned up to the fullest in something in a superhero film where traditionally you shouldn't really, you wouldn't expect to see it, which is again that breaking of that convention, which mm. is maybe one of the reasons why. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's context is everything with those with those films. But sure. um, yeah, I, I I kind of ascribe to what she's saying. It's kind of a mm. the camp element is there in quite a lot of those trash films isn't it? yeah absolutely and it's weird because a good example is John Waters now John Waters <laughs> really he's a really tricky one for me because he he sort of makes trash films but he's a fantastic filmmaker I mean he he's, he's you know very subversive he broke you know just trampled all over taboos his entire career he doesn't care but anyway, elements of his fil- films are camp and very you know self-aware and stuff but actually they're very they're very culturally significant those films mm. in terms of underground films and in terms of exploitation movies. So I mean from, from, from the description you've given I, that they don't sound like trash in the sense that if he's aware of the conventions and he's aware mm. that he is he subverting is. He's them, very aware. He's very then, funny and very very intelligent yeah, as well. Then it doesn't sound like he's, he's trashy in the same way that no. the Samurai Cap copies. Exactly but someone might watch one of his films and see all the crazy things that Divine does or all kinds of extreme stuff and go oh this is just trash. But well, he's the self-proclaimed king of trash. It's the, it's the Pope isn't yeah. it? The Pope of trash. Yeah. <laughs> but it is very purposeful. He's very particular and very careful mm. about every moment in his films. And I, so I love John Waters. Yeah, he's amazing. And I, I originally I thought his earlier films there was probably an element of you know, see how it goes mm. and some ad libbing. Um, but there wasn't. There never has been. He's always been so particular yeah. about scripting and performance, and mm. he's a he's a very p- particular director, mm. and so he knows exactly how he wants things presented, yeah. and exactly how things should look and seem and feel, and yes. then it's just how people watch that, which is it's the same with anything really. It's people's perspective when they watch it themselves yeah yeah um briefly on the camp as well one film we didn't potentially share there's a film called mommy dearest now john waters loves mommy dearest it's based on a book written by joan crawford's daughter i think it's her adopted daughter apologies if that's not correct but um anyway she catalogued this whole series of quite horrible abuse actually that joan crawford supposedly did to her and it was a whole thing anyway the film that they made 
is Faye Dunaway plays Jane Crawford, and that is, if nothing else is camp in this world, that film is camp. It is astonishing. I mean, the director just does not even, he just let her loose, and she just chews up the scenery, and it is the weirdest film, and it's a tricky one because, again, supposedly a lot of this happened. You don't know if that's true or not, but the gay community really took on that obviously because Joan Crawford's in it but also this scene there's a scene specifically about coat hangers that has become a bit of a meme and it's a you know within if you, that community the gay community they absolutely just constantly quote that film and it's become this real touchstone in terms of camp um, but again it's it's that it's that intangible like they weren't trying to make something camp, were they? They were genuinely trying to make a serious film about this serious, supposedly serious situation. She overacts to the point where she actually goes cross-eyed yes. in multiple scenes. <laughs> it's, it's really impressive. Yeah, it's a very special film. So that's an interesting one if we're talking about camp. There's uh, a, a review I remember um, reading ages ago, the first time I watched it, um, if someone says she doesn't just chew the scenery, she eats it carefully with a knife and fork <laughs> and eats the whole seat, set, cast yeah. and everything. Yeah, but I, I, I'm intrigued by this the, the, this point that, again, that City Feline makes about the, the camp thing being, when we, when we say this, what we mean is 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 something intentional. It's, it's, uh, it's not, it's sincere. And I think that that's how we're, we're sort of fitting it into this trashy camp category. It's not this idea that it's um, it's deliberately bad. It's sincerely done. Yeah, truly done. She she actually um, Cindy Phelan actually brings two, uh, suggests two films, and I'm not sure about one of them. One is Grease Two. Okay, which is Michelle better. Pfeiffer, isn't it? Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Which um, Cindy Fieldline is adamant is better than Grease, and she will fight you over it. Oof, like it. I'll tell you that. Um, Let's do it. The second film, and this is, I think, about the director, and I'm not sure if this is if he's entirely sincere or not. Um, Showgirls. Oh, that's a very tricky. That's point. a tricky one, oh, right? My goodness, that is a tricky one because that is a tricky Verhoeven. He's a he's a prickly customer because sometimes in some of his films he's genuinely sincere and then other times I don't you know there are two Ooh. there are two competing documentaries being released both this year I think this year and next year about showgirls I don't know how that's happened but they're both coming out at the same time anyway um, but yeah there's a apparently there's some interesting interviews in there but I think his intention a hundred percent was to make an over the top camp film. Um, the way he lit it, the way he asked people to act. He was trying to sort of make a mainstream exploitation film, so something that was, you know, it's, it, there's all kinds of things, isn't it? You know, there's strippers, there's murder, there's sex. It's all, it's all those controversial topics. And I think he went in using a studio, massive studio budget off the back of, I think it was Basic, Basic Instinct. Instinct you know, yeah. he was, he'd done so well, he thought he had control. Because it's Esther Hassigan, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Script, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I think they went in trying to make something like that. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't get, I think, I think critics took it Quite serious, yeah, maybe yeah, quite serious. It's one of those ones where, again, I think you wouldn't, you wouldn't. The conventions of cinema, you wouldn't expect a film like that to mm. come out with from this director with this previous oeuvre of work. And that, but then yeah. you would, maybe having seen something, maybe because he is, similar, he is yeah. very good at satire. Isn't yes, he, he does. I and mean, the film is, yeah. in a sense, uh, a knowing. If you take the whole thing about postmodern, right? Yeah. If you look at it in a certain way, he's kind of 
yeah. Well, time's been very take, kind to that film, hasn't it? Yeah. Time's been very kind. You know, the further and further away you stand yes. from it, the further you can sort of inspect and see like what Verhoeven's done over his career and realise that yeah, perhaps it was a lot more intentional than critic gave it credit for at the time. Yeah. I mean, do, I don't think it's a particularly good film at all, to be honest. Yeah. But it's, it's you see moments. the intention. Yeah. She's there's flopping around. And, and unintentionally ball. funny moments as we. Yeah, know. absolutely. And Carl McLaughlin, and we would love Carl McLaughlin. Oh, we all love Carl McLaughlin. Boy, oh boy, I don't know what he's doing in that. But then I saw him in the Flintstones the other day. So I mean. <laughs> Yes, the Flintstones, wow. Flintstones uh, sequel, believe it or not. But yeah. Viva Rock Vegas. Viva Rock Vegas, one of the, one of the bottom, ah, bottom okay. ten. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, from, um, uh, but it does have some great music in it. So was that the one with some... the BC-52s, or was that the original? Oh, I think that was the original. That's the original, wasn't original, it? Yeah. Sorry, my bad. It's, uh, the original was... Um, <laughs> Was John Goodman. That's right. But the the sequel was Mark. Oh, Adam. Mark. That's right. Yeah. Fresh yes. off um, off the full Monty. Yes. Uh, got a bit of a payday <laughs> for for playing. <laughs> That's been funny. Um, let's play some music from it then, because it's got Nick Lowe on it. So let's uh, let's play Seven Nights to Rock. Nothing out of the sky or out of the sea or on the earth could be more terrifying than the killer shrews. What is that? It's a Sorex sericity. Looks like a small rat. Shrews as small as rats, perfect for scientific experiments until they began to grow and grow into things. They must eat three times their own weight in food every 24 hours, or starve. There are two or three hundred giant shrews out there. Monsters weighing between 50 and 100 pounds. That's as big as a full-grown wolf. Blood-curdling, horrifyingly poisonous monsters. There's a livestock. The shrews got into the barn. The wildest of flesh-eaters, threatening all mankind. Your flesh will crawl with fear at their nearness. The shoes were out there. I couldn't take a chance. Do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. It's only a film. Just keep telling yourself it's only a film. In this case, The Killer Shrews from 1959, uh, proof that not all trash films were made in the 1980s. That's <laughs> uh, one of your favourites, isn't it, Lucy? Yeah, well, it was one of my choices for mm. today anyway. Uh, uh, obviously, having seen the trailer, uh, it looks, let's uh, see, a classic sci-fi B-movie. Uh, have you seen the film itself, or are you maybe on the trailer? Yes, no, I, I've seen it several times. <laughs> it, it was made um, as a regional film in Texas, which was quite a common thing around the 40s, 50s. Um, but it did so well, it ended up getting international release. Uh, the, it was the first film made by Kellogg, um, Ray Kellogg, who was the main special effects guy for Fox. Um, and then he got to make his own film and decided to make it about 
killer shrews. Well, you know, who would have thought a shrew would be terrifying? But, um, you know, as we've seen, what's that one about the killer brains? I can't remember what that one's called. Um, I think it's actually called Attack of the Killer Brains. <laughs> it probably is. Um, <laughs> atomic radiation makes all these brains uh, come to life and attack people. And who would have thought a, a brain floating around would be terrifying? <laughs> but they are. They've got, you can see that that's basically where H. Guy has sort of stolen the alien from because mm-hmm. they've got this, this sort of, sort of brain stem flopping around mm. behind and they're creepy. Oh, it's creepy. It's, oh, I'm going to have to have a shower. Uh, anyway, there we are. Killer shrews. So thank you very much for all of your contributions. Tim is manning our Twitter and we've had quite a few uh, other suggestions, have we not, Tim, for trash movies? Yeah. Um, first of all... Oh. Sorry. First of all, uh, so, uh, Daryl Davis at Bartlett Hollow on Twitter has recommended... Hello, Daryl. Hello, Daryl. A regular to the show. Uh, has recommended uh, to check out Divine Trash, which is a documentary about John Waters, mm. um, which I have not seen. I assume you have. Uh, have you seen it? Yes, yes it's I've, great. Yes. Yeah. Um, B-Film. We were wondering if B-Film would enter into the fray today because this is a not a not a genre we, we would associate with the kind of B-Film genre. <laughs> Genres. Cl- not classy enough for them. Yeah, uh, But believe it or not, what about Kung Fury? Oh, okay, yeah. A Swedish-made for YouTube unholy mess of 80s references combining kung fu, cops, cheesy one-liners, dinosaurs, Nazis, computers, and Thor. Half an hour of pure junk food. Okay. But, now, I've seen this film, and I don't think it counts. Yeah, I think... it's made intention. To, yeah, again, it's that intention, isn't it? I think they've gone, let's throw some dinosaurs and some Nazis and all that, and that'll just be fun. And, and in a way, like, you know, we've shown films, like we showed a film called Future War that was all about dinosaurs, and, but it was, you know, the, the intention, again, was to try and make something quite good and suspenseful and... I think, I think again. I think something like that is. And yeah. I think the last one well, I was sort of hopeful of it being a trash film. They didn't turn out Iron Sky. Do you know? Because that yes. one that got the most kickstarted. That's when is that the one about Nazis on the moon? Mm. So yeah, because I think that got us. That got a screen at the electric. Didn't it? We did when do we, it, and some interesting people turned up. So they did. They were all in leather coats, and we politely served them, hoped they'd leave quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah the, but then that was a film where we were hopeful um, that it was going to be something trash-worthy, but again, it, it, it was a way it just didn't really work for me on any sort of level, really. I didn't really like the film whatsoever, but oh yeah, I was thinking it might have a trash element for the kind of the building blocks of it, but again, I think it was just far too intentional in its aims to ever reach sort of uh, what suits us. Yeah. But it's... Sorry. Sorry oh, right. You were going to say something there. I was just going to witter on, so you tell, <laughs> us, more. You tell us more about Tom, uh, Thomas Gavano. Hello, Thomas. Uh, has suggested killer clowns from outer space. Oh yeah, yeah. Does that class, does that class in your category of trash? <sighs> yeah, that's a tricky one actually, because actually there are bits in it that are a bit gross and a bit like I remember when I was a kid. I remember seeing that on the uh, when I went to the video store. Oh, the video store. Um, and the front oh, cover. Oh, have to go to the video. Uh, store. <laughs> no, no, I did. That and uh, <laughs> that and Hellraiser. The front covers. I remember used to freak me out. Well, Pinhead was on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Killer Clowns. I used to think, oh, gross. And actually, so I suppose, yeah. It, I guess you could probably maybe, yeah. I mean, I think they were trying to make something genuinely quite scary and. To a child, to me, it was quite freaky, but I guess maybe I've got the... Maybe that's one blind spot for me. I guess, does it fall into that crossover point between is it trash or is it just that out-and-out scary horror? Yeah, yeah, the exploitation kind of thing. thing. Yeah, we're discussing that, because actually there's some... 
that really low budget stuff but actually you come away feeling a bit disturbed and a bit whereas actually I suppose for us trash film night should be fun yeah. I don't want you to come away disturbed apart from maybe seeing cinema die in front of your eyes but um, <laughs> that should disturb you but um, but yeah I suppose there's, there's there's a genre within horror definitely where they just try and you know they don't have much money but they can freak you out with it um, Daryl Davis again uh, hello, Daryl Davis. A second time. Uh, uh, from the Edward D. Wood genre. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Ah, yes, yes. Mm. Now, that is a good one, because he's, he's nothing if not sincere, mm. Edward. It's, um, it's interesting, though, thinking of these films that are slightly older. You mentioned, like, Killer Shrews and that. How, whether they'd work for a trial. We've never shown sort of no, like a haven't. film of that age, just because, again, like, would a, a cinema-going audience now, would it be a, another level... Of niche down below, where where you sort of you got to appreciate cinema and the tropes of that from the time in order to then get the full enjoyment of a film like Plan Nine from Outer Space. You know, where you can clearly tell nowadays there's there's elements of it that are a bit fun, a bit quirky, and a bit weird. Mm. But it's only if you've got a fundamental interest in films of that era to then enjoy it as a trash film. We could, yeah, I suppose we could do it. I guess the thing about live commentary is to try and give a bit of backstory sometimes as well we do a little intro usually and give a backstory to the director and little maybe some things to look out for Frame you're going to watch up. yeah exactly and you know things like you know the the director's lawyer has always got a cameo there's always some like just some people just you you being here and things like that and the director usually has a cameo as well quite a poor one so so yeah i suppose for things like that maybe you give a bit more context to what but then something like plan nine from outer space i mean Gosh, I can't remember the last... I have watched it a long time ago, but I know more of it about it from the Tim Burton biopic, I would say, um, which is a really great film. And actually, you know, you watch something like that and I suppose there's a bit more... It's, it's flying saucers on, on, you know, string fishing and all that. Yeah, fishing rods. And isn't, there, isn't there a character in it who covers their face because they've got a different actor? Yes. So they just... They literally walk around with, like, a cloak over <laughs> That's their <right>. face. <laughs> yes. I think it's someone's dentist mm. if I made that up I know Troll 2 the lead guy's a dentist mm. but um, well, Best Worst Movie is quite an interesting documentary about uh, yes, Troll 2 as well because that just sort of sees him about 20 years on from when the film was made yeah, and Leah looks and sees uh, how his life's going from there yeah an Edward film that might be a uh, have you had any uh, any interaction with any of the directors of these films I mean how do they feel about I mean obviously Tommy Wiseau now sort of yeah. bot, maybe suggesting that it was always meant to be ironic but is there, have you heard anything else? I mean, people, how do people feel about it? We've tried to interact with Neil, Neil Breen, Neil trying, Breen to, yeah. trying to get some of his films, and it's been fascinating where, because all the films that we screen, because we're obviously screening in the cinema, we do screen them legally, you know, we pay for the rights. Yeah, you have get to get the, the rights. rights. Yeah, um, which can sometimes be quite a fun battle trying yeah, to find out. it takes out, a like, long the, time you know, sometimes. The obscure DVD labels that they are yeah. sometimes still own to. Health but, food companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Neil Breen's one where we, we tried to sort of get in contact and said, look, well, obviously you make wonderful films, you know, we'd love to be able to show you one of these screenings and that. But um, <laughs> So, so, at trash <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, he was literally like, how much, how much, how much? And we were, we were like, oh, well, maybe, I don't know. We were offered an amount, and he goes, that's, too, that's not enough, that's not enough. And, and the party just goes, yeah, we're not paying any more for it, mate. <laughs> like, we'll find something else to screen. Uh, yeah, it, well, yeah, it was an absurd. But again, to the point where you think when he's negotiating on that level, does easy, you know, that, that level of awareness, like, is he just thinking, mm. no, no, if you want to show my absolute work, that work of ego? And it's quite fun because you're meeting a man with an ego so high that he wants Steve to pay all this money for this film. <laughs> 
or he's got that self-awareness that there's a bit of money to be made in a, in a sequel to The Room, potentially, you know. Yeah, um, it just didn't go so, anywhere, yeah. sadly. And the other one I haven't interacted with is Greg Sestero from The Room, who I've met a couple of times, and now sort of email every now and then. But um, it was interesting when I met him because he's well aware of The Room and that it is a terrible film uh, that has you know, created this cult awareness. And I think he does genuinely feel a little trapped by it because to be honest, you know, he wanted to be an actor, yeah. a, an actor that was respected. And he's got like cameos and like very small cameos in Patch Adams, the Robin Williams film stuff and before The Room. And he was building a career and just took this because he met Tommy and just went into it and he got paid for it. And now in a way, I think it does feel a bit, he does feel a little bit trapped by it. And when I was talking to him and, and in a way, I think I, I, they made a fake trailer for a shark film. And I said to him, I said, oh, so what's this you're doing with Tommy? This, he said, it's not a film, it's just, it's just a trailer. Tommy wants me to write it, I don't want to write it. Like, so it's weird, like that relationship between him and Tommy is probably not as close as you think it is. They've just been thrown together by this phenomenon. Sense, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so that's genuinely quite interesting is, is, you know, he is aware of it and he's happy to go to these things. But I think possibly there's a little part of him that thinks I'd much rather be a respected actor. So I came to see Best Friends, yeah. the, the two, the double screening yes. um, at the Mac that you did. And of course he was there. Mm. And it did feel quite sad in a way because um, when he did the Q&A, all anyone asked about was Tommy. Yeah. That was all anyone asked. Mm. And no one really seemed to be interested in him. And mm. I thought that was quite sad. Yeah, there's a little, when I was talking to him, he's one of the few famous people I know who actually um, asked me questions. That's so rare. Like, mm. I used to be a journalist and so I interviewed quite a lot of people, but also met them like casually. And, a lot of times you find famous people are very self-obsessed. Um, but he was just asking me what your favourite horror films, what, what your favourite, he's well into horror films, what your favourite horror scores, and just, he got a script out, asked my opinion on it, and he's just a lovely, lovely man. Um, and, you, and you just think, oh, you're too, you're too good for the, <laughs> the, nice the Hollywood industry. Yeah, you're too nice for this, this world. I mean, that, that, that really reassures me to hear you say it, because uh, you know, one of the things I was nervous about talking about this stuff today, today is what we like to do on Screen Brothers is point people to films that are worth seeing mm. and are, you know, of value. Um, and it doesn't sound like you're, you're full of people that come into your nights there just to mock and, and, and have a go. No, no, it's I think mean -spirited. it's fun. No, isn't no, it? I it's think that's, that's a crucial thing where like, I would not like to think that people come along just to sort of be hateful or something because, again, it's not a nice emotion to have and it's not, you know, no. you, why would you come to it again or it's a strange thing to think go to the football if you want to be hateful for 90 minutes. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. no, if you were, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's... Uh, we have regulars, don't we? And yeah. they came along and suggest things and it forms a community as well because there are a lot of people that are into these things and watch them at home and, and people want to come out and talk talk about them with other people. And, yeah. It's a communal experience, you know, that, that's mm -hmm. the reason why cinema's a lovely thing to be able to go and watch and have a shared experience yeah. and then these shared weird experiences. If we can shine a spotlight so a lot of people can have the enjoyment of the absurdity only magnifies it so it's more fun you know you can watch the room in your, in your own in your house and you can see all the flaws with it but it's much better when you come and see it live yeah so much better as an I mean, experience we're, we're champions here on the show of the whole concept of community cinema we had mm. someone in from uh, screen b14 last week um it's a very different experience those of you that haven't done something like this 
do try it. Um, you know, find a film that you're interested in, go and see it. Not necessarily at a, a multiplex where you know you, you, you're just Process. going through the door and, mm. and you've got your popcorn, whatever. Where you actually might meet other people, have a cup of tea in an actual cup, um, and, <laughs> and talk to people who are, are kind of interested. You'll find it a very different experience, and also a lot cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah, well, absolutely. As, as, as the mainstream. Um, fantastic. We're going to have a little bit more music, uh, and then we'll be back with. Um, some other other films that we want you to. Mm. I want you to have yeah. a bit of a, a run through of films to look out for, and again, Tim and Lucy to join in, and you at home as well. So, if you have any films that you would like to suggest to us, do. In the meantime, let's play some music from uh, a, a film we've mentioned already, which is Pink Flamingos. Um, and this one, you know, I'm I'm not calling a trash film because of its the fact that it's good and sincere mm. I don't yeah, know yeah. part of the trash trilogy right oh I don't know trash is a he called I'm, it I'm trash going here. It's, a it's a different context <laughs> it's a different context I guess um, so but anyway it's great it's a great film and it's got great music so I'm not a juvenile delinquent I'm not a juvenile delinquent Frankie Lyman <laughs> and the teenagers and that's from the soundtrack to Pink Flamingos we're having an interesting debate off air around you know this whole thing. We, 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 we've been going on and on about trash. We, 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 we've come to a, a, some sort of a conclusion around it. Being it's 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 not a film that's great. It's not something that we're mocking, but it is something that someone has sincerely tried mm. and possibly failed to do. Now, any other films you think that people should be be tra tracking down and, and ideally seeing with other people, um, mm -hmm. uh, wow. even if it's even if it's at home with a pizza and popcorn but what would you suggest that we haven't mentioned I think yet? one which people might be able to access because again some of the things these films are sometimes quite difficult to track down or watch casually with people the uh, the vanilla ice film cool as ice oh yes um, that's a very very good version of again like a pop star at the time was very hot crack out a movie you know you're good at this now just do this instead um but yeah that that in the first 10 minutes features vanilla ice almost killing a horse with a motorcycle <laughs> yes um, by vaulting a fence and uh, if you're not sold on that already then uh, okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. not sure what else I can say to you it's it's a classic it's just an example of I mean I imagine he was cool at one point but I mean it's I'm just a, how I'm sure <laughs> might, for, a few, for a few days um, but yeah it's just let's stick him in a film and he lives in a weird child's house where everything's decorated as if an 11 year old did it because that's what uh, rappers do I guess um, and he just he's the bad boy but he's the least bad boy least baddest boy <laughs> you've ever met yeah. um, does ride a motorcycle but oh of course yeah absolutely does where's his helmet though of course it's sadly conscious oh absolutely um yeah just a very strange but again there's, there's that's that whole thing of you still see it today i mean you know when there's some famous pop star they get offered some kind of some movie and they'll probably might take it or they might get a tv show i think they're a bit more aware now of how awful it can go i think pop stars um, just just give you a little brief flash in, in that spirit of uh, straight playing uh, by shaquille o'neal mm -hmm. um, who was in a film called steel um, oh. i love the west side uh, it's time to party so whenever Superman is in the house. Uh, I love the design. Uh, it's time to put it whenever Superman is in the house. In the background, straight playing. Lovely. Hilo Neal from the soundtrack to Steel. I think he plays a 
Robocop type. Superhero type. There's a few trash films like that, yeah. I think it's quite interesting where you could probably draw... um, Like, there's lots of Terminator clones. There's lots of Lethal Weapon clones. There's lots of... um, Fatal Deviation. (laughs) But yeah, it's trying to make a buck sometimes. They see what's been... Well, let's just release a cheap cheap version of that. And maybe someone will think they're getting Terminator, but they get, I don't know, Rotor or whatever. (laughs) They get something else entirely. And it's just, you know, it's just... Movie business is a business, really, you know. Uh, A lot of the time, they're just looking to make a quick... Mm-hmm. Quick buck off the back of something that was really popular. Is, uh, is there a is there a point in which something can stop being a trash film in terms of I don't know it's a it has a big release it's a big budget mm. the intentions you talk about the business element mm. of people rehashing classics or for mm. whatever better word is there a point where something might stop being a trash so even a high big budget film that we would go and see. You, know. you mean like so it, it it begins you watch it and it is a trash film and then halfway through it stops or like the, how it can get recontextualized? It could be a, or? even like um, I'm just saying is there are there are there sort of rules around what you think a trash film can be in terms of big budget? I mean, or, Battlefield Earth is um, yeah. is a tremendous uh, trash film like you know and then that obviously has all of the money thrown at it but yet yeah. still manages to fail on every level of its conception. It's so yeah. long that film. It is long, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean that's one where that we, was it was meant to have a sequel as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First half, I think we were long. We long sort of considered whether to show that for a trash film, like at the cinema. We were like, we're not sure if we can put people through it's, this yeah. for two and a bit hours. Because actually, it's not actually fun. No, it's, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's not fun. I mean, uh, uh, we'd have to if we're going to do that properly. We'd probably have to script it a bit more because actually, if we'd it's probably not, just cut bits out of the film. Yeah, and then again, maybe. then there's an argument of do you what do people want to come along yeah. and see? Not a full tricky one. That. Of, uh, yeah. So yeah, there are a few that you just think, yeah. It's I mean, too uh, long to be we, bad. We look at you know next year, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I mean, already that. Tra- Trailer is just something very special indeed, and you just think that could be something amazing mm-hmm. because I mean he's terrifying. The actual Sonic the Hedgehog, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey is just just back to doing what he did in the nineties and not caring. I thought he was he was having a serious phase, and now yeah. he's just gurning away. <laughs> and well, there's there's yeah, an awful he... child kidnap joke in the trailer, <laughs> oh, dear. and you just think is this? I don't. Th- well, there's just we, some. I think they've they've decided to redesign. They have the hedgehog, to which get rid of the one human would imagine team. is quite a key part. Yeah, I don't know how, yeah, how hard that uh, that's like, going to be. Whether that's going to be expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like, as, as a result of a trailer, that's quite a bad. That's quite a bad <laughs> reaction. So that one's an interesting one. I'll be interested to watch that and think, okay. oh, could this be? I mean, it's interesting as well you can look at the sun you think that had to go through so many people yeah. Just so, yeah so he's going to have teeth he's going to have weird eyes so we're all cool with that aren't we yeah, went we're through fine. like 10 different layers and then it's again that managing to pop into the yeah. world Instantly, like, isn't it, yeah, isn't it incredible that that yeah. managed to get through even in this day and age? We were talking earlier Especially about whether Sega will have had rights on that, yeah, and they they, they approved it clearly yeah. approved it too, which absolutely. Is pretty, uh, and there's no maybe one the money had something, yeah, yeah maybe. maybe. But are they just not? Maybe they are just oblivious, and they don't. Do they, they not have a sense? Sonic, yeah. yeah, they don't but have maybe, a sense. Of... Maybe you know, maybe what we're seeing here is is the fact that we're, we're, that's shocking to us because it happens so rarely. These days, because of the of the kind of the well honed nature mm. of the Hollywood machine, is that you know maybe it is only at the mm. the trash will only really come at the at the uh, margins because it's mm. people like you say who've got a bit of money and they and no one telling them what to <laughs> yeah. do. The, the Danny Dyer film Run for Your Wife, oh, though, yes. from two thousand and something. Uh, what's the face out of? 
girls allowed. Sarah Harding, yes. yes. Oh, yes. And Neil Morrissey. Very good, Blake. <laughs> a little cameo from uh, Rolf Harris. <laughs> yeah, it's not age work. Um, Context it's, it's, does a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was, I mean, that was based on a play. Wife. That's yeah, a classic. Good, yeah, I think, I can't remember who, but yeah, I think it might be. Anyway, but that's a classic, you know, they just, all oh, the play was popular and just knocked together some absolute load of old rubbish. That's that's a good. We still haven't shown that. No, we weren't sure whether it was too niche or, uh, too or niche. what. Too you know. It's just people just sitting on chocolate cakes. And all. <laughs> Isn't the, that uh, funny? The, the Danny Dyer A film league. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, a bit sure. carry on. It's a bit, but actually, it's a tricky one that because you know it's so silly. It's like, oh, do they have an awareness how terrible this is? Some bits maybe. So my my general my general observation for you guys is that. Trash films have to be fun, as you rightly said. Oh, yeah. they, they, Even though they might be trash films, if they're not fun, then yeah. If, if it's know. a bad film, yeah. it's boring, and you just sit there going, "Oh my goodness!" And like Battlefield Earth. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst thing is to be boring. We um, had, we had a tremendous afternoon watching Taffin, which is an Irish oh, film. I love Taffin. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it like his uh, sort of James Bond audition? Yeah. No, well, it can't, you can class it as that, I guess. But it, <laughs> it, it, it's uh, Taffin is a genius film. Yes. It has Bronholm's favourite. Is what? What's his? What their favorite? Uh, Adam and um, Adam and Joe. They did oh, the yes. whole. They did the whole. They, they, they oh, took, they took his shouty bit and the, the people yeah, oh, remixed yes. it. The, the um, quote. The quote. Yeah. Weirdly, the, pretty much the entire cast. Of, you shouldn't be living here. Yeah, that's right. like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The entire yeah. cast of Father Ted are in it. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it. it's wonderful. They all just pop up one by one. You're like, oh my, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's just Father Jack. <laughs> and then it's, it's just, Dude, and then, then <laughs> Father Ted himself pops up. And oh, Taffin is probably trash, right? But but the ending is very very quite dark. So in a cinematic experience, we're watching it. All the way through, which what, what you question? And it was asked, fun. You know? Yeah, it was lovely. But then the ending is so bleak yeah. that there's no fun to the end of film. So mm. we'd be what you'd having a lovely 75, 80 minutes, and then it ends so darkly and badly that it's out. Well, thanks for coming, everyone. Yeah, see um, ya. This was no fun. Yeah, yeah. So this is not a nice. So it's way like it's, it's so very close to being something that we could scream. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it would leave the audience going away quite sad. Sadly. Uh, <laughs> I, quite uh, you may not know. I'm a huge Bond fan, so I, I'm familiar with many of the. The, the, the terrible films that Brosnan has done. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The film is something you know, we would uh, always love to show like a trash film, but we weren't sure where... Was it Die Another Day? Die Another Day, we were thinking was perhaps That's, that's the, the one trash film yeah. that they did, Good. yeah. Into Sorry, it. you're getting me off on the top. Oh, no, I'm just surprised. Uh, I thought that if anyone said the word trash in relation to James Bond, that, that uh, kick off. Tim would go for no, it. No, definitely so. not, because it's the spirit in which the films are made. So yeah. Die Another Day perfectly fits into the, uh, <laughs> into the... It's the one... It's the trashiest Bond it's film. The title, it's the title. It's the surfing the tidal wave. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's the, sur- it's the, the title. The Invisible Car. Yeah. Invisible Car, Madonna turning up. Yeah, um, you know, I don't like car fights. Um, yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, so that's one. Although I love Toby Stevens and he's so... He's so He's, he's the epitome of a trash Bond villain as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's proper, proper evil. bad in that. Um, now, if uh, if people want to know more about your, if they're not able to come along, mm. how do they follow you? How do they find out more? Because yeah. there's if you if you Google trash films, there's quite mm. a lot of. Mm. stuff that comes up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. sometimes stuff you don't want to see yeah. so uh, <laughs> what, how do they find you so we are on Twitter yes. at Trash Film Night so you can just talk to us there if you've got any suggestions if you want to just mm. sort of suggest a film or a sequel you know or just sort of have a chat to put any of that you're all very welcome there yeah absolutely or um, yeah I should, I should get on my email <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got a website you should probably get a website but yeah. I don't know that, that sounds a bit 20th uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't yeah. Yeah. too much time uh, and, and, you're, and the shows are on at the Mockingbird. Yeah, so this is the first one we're doing, The Mockingbird. 
Uh, hopefully it will go well, um, and then we can do a few more. Um, I think that audience, because it's quite, a, you know, they show a lot of cult films. Mm -hmm. They show a lot of um, just they do like marathons and things. They're quite similar to the Prince Charles Cinema in London, yeah. which is what they're going for. And I think that suits us in many ways. And they do have nice food. As they well. do very, very nice food and good beer selections. They too. have got a good bar. Right? Yeah, good bar. we had our screen on Christmas party there, didn't we? Yeah. We did. Oh, very nice. Um, Why were we not invited? Uh, <laughs> there we are. Oh, yeah. Right <laughs> next time, next time. Um, I'm going to play one more track and then we're going to come back with a bit of a round up, really. If there's anything else that you at home would like to ask of our uh, trash film aficionados, uh, any films that you think we haven't talked about yet, also anyone in the room. Um, so let's play um, a little bit uh, of music uh, and then we'll be back with you very soon. And they caught up a pillow. So welcome back everyone. Um, yeah, going back to what we were talking about earlier, this is by far Piers Brosnan's greatest acting moment from the trash film classic Taffin. Enjoy. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! <laughs> oh, we've edited that. <laughs> this is the edit. <laughs> Doesn't go on this long. Well, that's easily fixed. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Adam and Joe. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. So if you're familiar with Adam and Joe, they they invited um, people on their Six Music show to edit that particular clip, and there are loads and loads of edits on YouTube of that. It's so funny. It's very good. <laughs> Bron Holmes classic moment. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. Okay. So we're here. This is the Screen Bron Show. We're we're coming to the last ten minutes. It is one uh, fifty one here in Birmingham, England, uh, and we are the Screen Bron Show on Brom Radio, and we are here to try and bring the weekend into a, into a kind of bright, shining, sparkling focus by telling you it's some trashy films to track <laughs> down. Um, now, uh, I, have, I should have said, actually, the track I played before, Puppy Love, which, of course, is not tracky, Paul Anker, is from um, the aforementioned Son of Mask. Um, now one of the things I, I spend a lot of time putting together, believe it or not, the playlists for this show, it's really hard to do it for this particular mm. theme because the music is either quite bad or uh, has no license. Um, <laughs> so yeah. it's quite hard to sort of play it just really. So uh, I've had to sort of cast around and um, didn't want to play some of it. But, you know, if I could play Dragon Sound, sound um, I, I certainly would have done I firmly that. encourage anyone to listen to the first 20 seconds of Samurai Cop. The music that starts that film sets the tone for everything. It's um, a music composer who was paid, and he was paid up front. He said, I'm going to give you the best one minute of music ever, and the rest of it fades. But it's the most intense one minute of <laughs> synth you've ever heard. Fantastic. I love the sound of that. Um, so here we are. We're, we're talking trash, and we're right at the end. Any, any other uh, tweets to mention, Tim? Anyone out there got any films we haven't mentioned yet? Yes. Um, uh, Feathers and Wings has suggested Society and Slithers. 
Oh, uh, Slithers. The, Slithers. Oh, right, yes, Society. Society's too good. And Slithers is too funny. Like, Society's, like, making a point. That's and, like, horrible. Yeah, the end sequence is particularly gross. Yeah. But it is, like, a really well-made film because it, you, you do come out of it quite upset. <laughs> Whereas Slithers is just... That's the James Gunn one, isn't it? The yes. Slither, Slithers, sorry. Is yeah. that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah, that was quite... Uh, that's definitely a comedy, full-on comedy. It's very silly fun. But it's, again, silly, intentional? I, no, this definitely it. intentional. It's yeah. like a, it's like so, a sp- sort of spoofy of monster films. So we're not letting that through, are we? Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't allow that. I'll let that we'll through the trash film gates. Okay. Oh, sorry, Feathers and Wings. Um, <laughs> he <laughs> usually comes up with really great suggestions every week, so the they're great films. Spooky. They're good films. Um, I'll be intrigued to know what Feathers and Wings makes of Birdemic, Colon, Shock and Terror. <laughs> Maybe bring him along. Have, if you haven't seen it, uh, again, this is your opportunity to see it on the big screen as... The director intended, intended <laughs> but didn't really get. But now he is getting. He is finally getting it on the big screen. Uh, I do recall from it one of the one of the things I enjoyed from the trailer is that there's a CGI birds mm. and they just have obviously just one CGI bird yes. yep. and it's just multiple exactly the same mm. flapping bird. I, I get some of the fun as well is just finding the random little things. Like I specifically remember there's a scene where they're in a motel room and she's not got shoes on and her feet are filthy. <laughs> she's got absolutely. It's just really distracting. It's like your feet are horribly filthy. Like you need to clean them so little things like that are just you know the production of this film was yeah. a fun experience <laughs> nobody said I mean you need to clean your feet because we can see them all the time <laughs> like it's the <laughs> the soles of her feet so silly things like that are, you know, you've, are got get, fun. you've got to get consistency on this this is the kind of, that yeah. dirty feet is the classic kind of continuity error I'm sure <laughs> that, that you've seen. full of those so many continuity errors in these films again fun to pick out because uh, again they're, 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 they don't have anyone doing continuity yeah. like they do in in big budget films and so no one cares and so everything changes all the time so that's part of the fun as uh, well. didn't you say that in someone said in samurai cop a character has their hair cut that is the samurai yes. cop okay yeah, the samurai cut. Cut. yeah joe himself he uh, yeah halfway apparently the production of the film they promised it would only take a certain amount of months wasn't it yeah and um after that point did that had a horrible experience left immediately cut his hair probably trying to disguise himself from the character he realized was going to soon be released <laughs> um but they were like no no we need to do some reshoots he's like i already cut my hair and the director was like fine wear this so then at certain random points where they've done pickup <laughs> shots <laughs> you will indeed uh, enjoy the sight of a man wearing perhaps the lowest budget wig on a, a a film that's ever been seen. He I'm pretty has, sure it falls off at one point. One fight sequence gets particularly vicious, and he does. Yeah, he uh, he does, does come loose. Head, <laughs> gets his hair punched off. <laughs> well, that is that is a big punch. In terms of continuity and budget, though, that doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. The, the Jules ones mentioned earlier. People's limbs grow back, yes, boats reform, <laughs> uh, blood comes from all sorts of places. There was no blood, all, yeah. all goes away again. I imagine it's because they don't care. Like <laughs> that level of budget, they're just like, nah, whatever. Yeah. Let's just get this done with. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Tim has just shown we're just, the wig. We're showing the wig. We're seeing the wig at this moment. And here it comes off. It came off. He grabbed it and oh, they've kept it in. This is great radio. This is great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something you can't see. Yeah, get, get on YouTube. Uh, uh, those of you at home and, and Google all the best wig shops in Sanurai Cop just to YouTube that. Yes, just that's a very specific Google search, but look for that. Um, guys, we are very near to the end of the show. We're going to play out with one final track, but before we do, are there any? is there any other trash that you've been itching to tell us about? Mm, well, I think the, the Holy Trifecta is probably The Room, 
Miami Connection and Samurai Cop. I think that's for us is probably. Mm. Would you say that? I'd say, I mean, to be honest, I'd say after watching it a few times, Birdemic joins it into being a square. Okay, yeah. You know, like a trash the, square. The trash square. Yeah. Yeah. Trash square. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Absolutely, that's there. what it is. But there's plenty we haven't mentioned. Films like Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, which is a Christmas trash film where they just reuse footage from the first film because they didn't have any money. Um, and that has an excellent, uh, if you go online, look up the line Garbage Day. Some lovely delivery of the line Garbage Day. And you, yeah, that's on a, on a par with Taffin, you heard a bit earlier. Um, so yeah, there's just plenty. Um, they're everywhere and hopefully we'll get to show a few more. Yeah, and we're always looking for suggestions for new mm. ones as well. So obviously you can tweet us at Trash Film Night um, and then just sort of give us any suggestions. We'll always watch them. We will you can, watch You them. can put us through miserable afternoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can effectively so. ruin our lives if you wish. <laughs> uh, well, you've got a um, lot of, you know, I think there's going to be four Avatar sequels coming, so you're going to have your... <laughs> four. <laughs> work. Who asked for four? Yeah, who, who asked for two, frankly? <laughs> there we go. Um, obviously a lot of people. It was a huge... Hugely successful. Uh, what do I know? How was it? Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to go. We're going to go now. We hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I'd like to say thank you very much for. Oh, to thank you. Trash Appreciate you having us. Yes. Right. It's been thank, fun. You. Um, thank you for coming in. Thank you very much, Lucy. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Doesn't sound that. Didn't sound <laughs> keen. Exactly. Uh, and of course, Tim Wilson. Remember to recycle. Um, absolutely do recycle reuse and reduce um, I'm going to play out with a final track from uh, a film that hasn't been mentioned which is again one of those low rated films which is uh, uh, Ben Affleck who is now of course a, a you know a, a, a grandee of acting in is it Jiggly? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I think it's Jiggly. Yeah. Yes. Mariah Carey. Uh, no, is it Jennifer Lopez? Yes. I think they were uh, an item at the mm. time. Yes, that's right. There's a, there's a line. Yeah, the Mariah Carey film. It's glitter. That's it, and it's the turkey gobble gobble line. That is well known for the Jiggly. Yes. It was Martin Brest, wasn't it, who you know done great films like Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, I think it was. Yeah, Midnight Run. Yeah, like that. Good films. And it has, unlike a lot of these films, obviously they have the budget for a decent soundtrack. So I'm going to play out with, with one, which is uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash's uh, Love the One You're With. Uh, good advice. Uh, take care, everyone. I uh, hope you have a fantastic weekend, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Bye.